Hey guys, before we get started today, I want to send you to reformcon.org to tell you about a conference we are speaking at. It is happening October 27th through the 29th in Mesa, Arizona. Yes, obviously we will be there and there is a series of other wonderful speakers. Uh, We'll have Toby Sumter. Jeff Durbin, your dad, Summer. Yes. Uh, I'm really excited for David Bonson, uh, Joe Boot, Andrew Sandlin, John Sampson, Ben Merkel, and more. Um, there on the website, you can also find uh, ticket information. There are family packages, uh, general admission, child admission. There is a VIP after party event that you can also purchase tickets to, as well as information on the hotel that the event is being held at. So that is all at reformcon.org, and we're excited to meet you guys there. Yep, come see us. Have you had your soup today? The cold, crisp taste of Coke is so satisfying, it keeps me from eating something else that might really add those pounds. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to our episode of Sheologians. We are here today to put the her in cultural. Oh, I had a feeling you were going that I direction. Did. It was the obvious direction. It was not as bad as hernia or something that I said a few weeks ago. So leaps and bounds here, you guys. The content just keeps getting better. My name is Summer Yeager. I'm here with my beautiful co-host Joy and... I want to paint a picture for you real quick that okay. I've probably never told you about, but um, last September, no, September 2020, I went on my first vacation, really, with Eric. Right. We went to Laguna Beach, mm-hmm. and it was beautiful, and I it was such a nice trip. It was only a couple days, but the hotel that we found was so nice and, like, overlooking the water. Yeah. And, it was just great. The weather was perfect. And um, r- our like hotel room was right next to like the street exit, which sounds like it might not have been great. But it was great because the street exit walked right down to the beach. So, so we could just easier. like, yeah, come in and out of the hotel and go down to the beach or whatever. And so what, one night we did that. But you could go down a little bit and sit at this bench, like at the top of a cliff overlooking the ocean. Okay. So one night we're sitting there and I mean, I just could not love anything more than a good cliff overlooking the ocean and a bench. Fair enough. Is, is there a better, that's if I could sit anywhere, (laughs) like it's going to be that. Um, so we're sitting on this bench and, we're, you know, the moonlight is glinting off the water and it's like really just this beautiful moment and it smells amazing and it's just me and the love of my life. And he, he looks at me and he goes, all right, you have to pick one. You either burn alive or you die by drowning. <laughs> And so me not wanting to ruin a great conversation starter, (laughs) I was like, I'll play along. And I was like, obviously die by drowning because burning alive sounds horrible. And he goes, it would be so much faster. And I was like, what? And he was like, you would just pass out from the shock of the pain. Drowning would take a really long time. He's like, imagine being in the middle of the dark ocean, drowning, not knowing like if you're going to die because your lungs explode or because something eats you. He's like telling me this like horrible. And um, so are you asking me? Yeah. So my answer is the same as Eric's. Okay. Um, I would rather. Okay. As long as I'm going to die for sure. I know this is a little bleak, but yep. Well, I mean, we're all going to die well, for sure. I just mean as long <laughs> as I don't survive the fire, the burning. Oh, yeah. Um cuz that is something that would be extremely um, painful. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I have a friend who has a little bit of insight into that world and the pain from the 
very general descriptions <laughs> that have been given yeah. to me that is not um, hats off to anyone who has survived being burned being burned um Oof. but yeah i would definitely pick the quick because i don't i didn't think of it as quick i guess but mm-hmm. I, I suppose i mean in the grand scheme of things i think the drowning goes pretty quickly as well yeah but if i yeah i mean certainly if i have to bob around in the ocean yeah um Ter- terrifying for like hours to days before I <laughs> yeah. I can't do it no I can't do it I was listening <laughs> so dumb oh no um but I was listening to <laughs> it was I had a really bad headache and so sometimes you just listen to whatever you can kind of nod off to you know yeah mm-hmm. and anyway because it's very hard to not focus on the pain so that kind of keeps you awake but if you can sort of yep do something to take your mind yeah somewhere else i did that last night with my pregnancy insomnia Uh like at 5 a.m i turned on a paul washer sermon okay i was like at least if i don't fall asleep i will feel closer to the lord right and you know what i went to sleep anyway my husband (laughs) uh whenever people ask matthew like, so when did you get saved? He'll be like, sometimes I listen to a Paul Washer ser- <laughs> I sermon and think I thought I got saved then. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes I listen to Paul Washer and I think, was I saved before? <laughs> Charismatics like always get resaved at camp and yeah. reforms always get resaved. Right. <laughs> yes. I hope you all know this is a joke. Yeah, okay. it really We're is. Totally joking. <laughs> um, but so I was listening to. Um, diving stories. Diving. It was like, like it was like divers. What's the craziest thing you've ever seen oh, while diving for your job? Fascinating. But it was like, what's the craziest thing? So like, scary. But for some reason, I just up. was like, not. It well, didn't scare me. It was even translating to my dreams a little bit. Yeah, like I was having dreams about being in water, but it wasn't scary. But there were some scary stories. Please send them my there way. There's some crazy things that happen in the water. That's fascinating. That we don't know about. Yeah, no, I definitely follow all of that that I can find. Oh, yeah. I've, I want to hear about crazy diving So for stories. some reason that was relaxing. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> to me. Yeah. And listen, I'm just to circle back here real quick. Um, I didn't fall asleep because Paul Washer was boring. Right. I was just genu- I was soothed because he was just telling me about how much Jesus loves me. Right. And I was like, okay, I can sleep. Yeah, I also <laughs> I also did not fall asleep to crazy diving stories because I think that diving neurosis is boring. <laughs> yeah, diving neurosis is yeah. a real thing. I've it, watched videos of that. It happens. It's horrifying. Yeah. Yeah, as much as I love the ocean, I don't ever necessarily need there's to. a special kind of so in my mind there are like three ish kinds of people mm-hmm. there are people who are like i don't i can snorkel that's great mm-hmm. dive down a little bit wonderful can i see the ground yep sure can love it <laughs> <laughs> i love being able to um, see the ocean floor <laughs> while snorkeling <laughs> then there are people that are like I want to go down to the ocean floor. I want to like, I want to go down like 40 feet and you know, so I'm going to get my certification and all that. And then there are people that are like, I want to work off the coast (laughs) off of an oil rig and I want to go down. I want to go a hundred feet down every day. Uh, Or some people like some people live under the ocean because they don't want to decompress. So actually that's the scary part. I think that decompression because in every single one of those stories, something crazy happens down at this insane depth. And they have to get up. And then they have to, you have to like stop yep. and wait. Mm-hmm. And then and can you imagine no. anything worse than being in the most terrifying experience of your life, either because something went wrong or whatever, and you're having to stop and wait <laughs> at these like... Yeah. It would be like if a grizzly bear was chasing you through the forest. Yeah. And you had like, and there were like little flags and it's like, okay, wait, here. wait 10 minutes here. And I don't, I don't know anything about decompression. It might be longer than 10 minutes. I'm sure it is. I, what I'm saying is I have no, I, yeah. tell us, tell yeah. us how long it takes. Yeah. Um, so it's not, there's a speed that you have to, there's a speed that you cannot 
surpass right essentially without exploding your insides essentially well yeah you have to give yourself a chance to yeah but so you can you can i think there's those two methods which is the one where you stop well if but if you're down super deep you can't just i guess you can't so i guess i do know one thing about decompression which is that like because because of the depth that third type of person that wants to like really go down there really go yeah where it's like dark i know when uh well there's the fourth type of person which is james cameron who loves to go to the bottom of the ocean and is one of the few people that spent hours at the bottom of the mariana trench yeah in his little submersible thing Mm -hmm. uh i'm thinking i'm realizing there's a fifth type of person which is a cave diving person and that's (laughs) the worst of all those people the cave divers are the the most crazy the ones i feel like i've seen the most um like psychosis from right like really losing their minds and um a lot of them die there's a cave that Apparently, a lot of divers like to dive down into because it's absolutely beautiful. Mm-hmm. But as you're diving it, you literally are passing dead bodies like other divers. Like it's normal. That's something people that something people do. I mean, I know there are dead bodies on Mount Everest, but I'm pretty sure they're covered up by snow. These like, are not. Whereas they're... in the ocean, you're just. If you and they always bring their GoPros and record it, so you can actually they take you and they post the videos like the diving videos. They're like, Oh, yeah, here's this guy, he died back in 2015. I mean, his body's still down there, like, and it's it's not one, it's like everyone knows that doing this is so dangerous, and you know this because you're literally diving past dead bodies and they're in their scuba suits, they have their gear, they're still there. I don't know why they don't bring them back, but I guess probably for the same reason all those dead bodies are on Everest as well. Isn't it just interesting how, like, humans, like, some of us just have to go? Like, I think that's crazy. I would never do anything like that. No, I like to consider myself a fairly adventurous person. And in the generally, if someone were to offer me an experience that seemed a little crazy... I would have a really hard time saying no. I feel like that's less true now that I have Georgia, but that's just how it goes. But I just cannot, Mm -hmm. I'm not a cave person. No. I'm really not interested in like underwater or otherwise. No. Oh, I had to watch this. Cave people are their own special. One of the cave dives, in order to even get to the cave dive, you have to first slide through a hole. That I kid you not is this big. One of those things where you have to like suck in. Yeah. To like get. It's one of those things where the vast majority of us couldn't go. Right. Yeah. Like I don't even. I think when I was like 12 I couldn't have made right. it. Right. The more the good news is is no one's gonna be offering me a cave diving position. If you're a female and you have hips, right? Like this is for six foot tall skinny men only. This right. experience because, but that I couldn't. A little discriminatory it, it, that that cave hole Caves is hate women <laughs> they do they hate women they're so <laughs> against women um but i couldn't even watch the part where they slide through that thing it takes my breath away thinking about it yeah absolutely cannot no i hate caves say no to caves guys. say no to caves honestly <laughs> Do not go in like a nice shallow cave where you can like still see everything. I want to see the outside still. There's no animals, sunlight. Yeah, one of my favorite uh, kids' books is we're going on a bear hunt. Oh yeah, and you know what happens when they go in the cave? That's right. The bear comes after Mm -hmm. them. Never go in a cave is the moral of the story. I mean, not too far at least. No, not the mouth of the cave is enough. Right, you saw it. You can leave. You technically went in. You did. Absolutely went in. You know how many caves I've been in, technically? (laughs) Many. (laughs) Several. Anyway, all right. Well, you can leave us a voicemail at 470-465-0475. Join book club. Let's see. This this time that you all are listening to this. (laughs) Sorry. Let us peer into the future for a second uh you're definitely doing book club on your own oh okay for for sure okay so if you guys whatever book we're we picked for that yeah (laughs) it's great joy's doing book club with y'all i have had a baby that's right so i'm not doing that um but i'm only 31 weeks pregnant right now 
And when I say only, I hope you guys hear how breathless I am. Yeah. <laughs> I'm already out of breath. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, join book club at patreon.com slash theologians. You can hang out with Joy on Wednesdays at 1.30. Um, and just a bunch of other interesting women. And read that book we're reading. Yeah, whatever book Joy chose. <laughs> Which she hasn't. We don't. We don't know. Um, we're it's excited. Gonna be good. It's going to be great good right now. Yeah, <laughs> we're uh, enjoying it. There has not been a book we've read that I haven't enjoyed. So no, absolutely not. I mean, definitely book club is a part of it, but there's a lot of good. Books yeah, we have. I would say if you guys hang out, come and join because the other ladies are really yes. interesting and fun yeah. as well. That um, makes it for sure. Oh, yeah. The comment section is just popping off during book club, and that's where all of the interesting people are. So anyway, that's patreon.com slash sheologians, or you can just support Christian content at patreon.com slash sheologians. And yeah, today, um, you know, several things have brought this topic up for us. Um, one of them being reading Total Truth. Mm-hmm. Um. The other being a question that we got that I thought, that's an interesting question, and I have an answer. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so I just, I'm just going to read the question because I think it's... uh, That's pretty much how we pick our show topics here. Yeah. When you guys ask us questions. Interesting. I have the answer. Interesting. Or an answer. I've got a thoughts on that. All right. Um, so this was the the email that we got. Over the past two years, I have become submissive to the Bible as the standard for theological truth. And I thought I had a solid, realistic understanding on how to view the world. But I'm being really challenged lately, especially by reading Total Truth, about how small my application of how to function as a Christian really is. Any thoughts on this season? Um, and so this is a good question. This, this is a worldview question. Um, if the Bible is your standard for theological truth, then your Bible is the standard for all truth. Mm-hmm. And what does that mean? What does that look like? Um, this seems like a very, this should be a pretty easy question, but I think what we're finding is that it is more difficult to apply than many people realize. Mm-hmm. And uh, one reason, and I think I already, I think I talked about this within the last couple of weeks. Um, one reason, one thing that I think we need to do as Christians for the next generation is to do the thing that I was talking about a few weeks ago, which was essentially just this idea that as you're raising your kids, that you're constantly and consistently giving them a Christian worldview. That everything you guys are doing should be done through the lens of doing it as a Christian. And that doesn't mean that when you take your kids to the pool, you're like, all right, guys, let's go to the pool as Christians. Although I would say the way in which you go to the pool um, the way in which you dress at the pool, the way in which you treat other people at the pool is going to be going as a Christian or not. Mm-hmm. And that is something that you should have discussed with your kids beforehand. Um, so I think a lot of people kind of make excuses like, well, I don't know what that means. And it's like, well, if you don't know how to leave your house as a Christian, this is going to be really hard life. <laughs> This is going to be this is going to be really difficult. Well, yeah, I think there's just a lot you haven't thought through. Right. If you think that the this if you think that like the spiritual life of a Christian is just reading your Bible and praying, then I don't think you really think you really have put that in more of a box than you realize oh yeah yeah. because there really is there's so much to consider right so many hypothetical questions so many and we live in a we live in a world where all over social media right now people are 
asking these like sometimes it's not a good thing but asking these like gotcha questions you know (laughs) yeah or they think their argument is like a gotcha gotcha. yeah um and sometimes we sometimes i think um we're not getting past reading we're not even getting to reading our bibles oh yeah like sometimes the reason that happens is because we're not getting there it's not necessarily that we have put our right our christianness air quotes there (laughs) in a box it's that we haven't even started yeah we haven't even like performed the most basic functions yeah and so we do always feel like how do i go live as a christian and the answer is like of course you're not going to be renewing your mind daily if you're not daily renewing your mind. (laughs) Um, And so sometimes I do think we're just, we haven't gotten there. Yep. And so we're spending our whole day and we haven't even, we haven't, we haven't even gotten to the most basic functions yet. Yeah. And so it leaves us kind of wondering like, well, if I'm not doing the basic functions, like what can I do? Right. Um, and the answer, the answer to that is really that you need to be doing the basic functions and what that looks like for you and your family may be a little bit different. Right. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know, like it's a little off topic, but no, it was it's just funny something that, you, that came to mind. It's funny that you said it because this guy, and I'm not taking a shot at him at all, but he tweeted this tweet that I thought was very on the nose for what you're saying. He said, read your Bible and pray is as helpful of guidance for Christians as dribble the ball and shoot is for basketball players. And I said, okay, but that's like literally how you play. Right. Like there's no problem with discussing application or what that looks like. Right. But if you're not willing to start dribbling the ball and shooting, you're not actually playing the game. We can't, we can't have a conversation about like how you score points if you're not willing to dribble. Right. (laughs) If you're not willing to start there. And it's like, yeah, when you first start playing basketball, dribble the ball and shoot can be hard. When you first become a Christian, get in a discipline of actually reading the Bible and praying can be difficult. But the thing is, is as with any practice, you guys have heard us say this a million times, what you practice is what you become practiced in. Mm -hmm. And eventually it is not difficult. Right. And it's not... It's it's not difficult, and if you're not sure how to pray, we go, go ahead and read the Bible. There's lots of prayers there, right? Some just pre-written out for you. <laughs> just pray, just if you're not there yet, just yeah, pray through the Bible. Right. There's lots of um, great ideas there, but essentially, the question that was being asked was like, how do I go about even building a Christian worldview? Right? How do I have a comprehensive Christian? worldview and again when people ask these questions they think a lot of what they want is the answer how do I look like I've been doing this for 10 years when I've been doing it for six months right and you know just here's some news for you if you've been doing it for six months you're probably going to look like you've been doing it for six months right I I def that's (laughs) when I was preparing for this episode it was something that I was thinking about just the slow um, when, well, even when it talk when it talks about, I mean, when you're talking about living faithfully and trying to create and cultivate something for the gospel, that's not just like giving the gospel. Um, it takes time. time. Like we have my husband, when I say we, I mean, my husband and I, his mission for our family, the reason we live in the desert and he does what he does is because he wants to transform the desert and re-green it which has been done many times on a small scale. Um, What that means is that we need land. We need, there's all this stuff that eventually we're going to have on the mission. Um, But right now we live in an apartment (laughs) and we're fresh out of a pandemic. And there's a lot of little steps. I think that's another, it kind of goes in line with like, we can't get to our Bible reading. So we're just like, Oh, the most holy thing to do must be a job or mm-hmm. some sort of vocation that incorporates those things. Cause then you're definitely getting it done. <laughs> um, but that's not, that's not everyone's goal. Not everyone is meant to just be a pastor. Right. 
specifically of many of you listening. <laughs> specifically, uh, half of the human race <laughs> automatically disqualified. Automatically. <laughs> automatically. Though some people are not living that as truth. Yes. Um, but yeah, I just think that I think sometimes we we're like, oh, well, it's really hard. So that must be for a certain type of job or a certain type of person or something. Um, but really, uh, cultural impact can take a lot of time. And, oh. and sometimes it's just the yeah. difference between deciding whether or not, whether you're going to pass something down to your next generation mm-hmm. or if you're going to try to handle it. Mm-hmm. And some of these issues, depending on who you are, depending on what your mission is, some of you, like mm-hmm. my husband, true to form, picked a very <laughs> weighty mm-hmm. issue, like a very weighty, uh, complicated thing to transform. Um, it's going to take time and it takes time and it takes steps. And, uh, by my husband's own admission, we will probably just be the very beginning of it. Right. And so I do think there, I think we have this weird sort of results oriented view. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I guess it's not results oriented is not exactly the word I'm looking for, but we think we can't achieve what we want to achieve. So we're like, I must just be missing some information. I right. must not, uh, it's not coming easy. Right. And it's not coming all at once. Right. So I must just not have something that right. I need to know. So if I could just right. find out a trick or a tip, yeah. then all of a sudden I could right. get on my mission. Well, and it's like, where do we even get the idea of having a, any sort of vision or purpose that coincides with what God would have us to do? And we would take it all the way back to Genesis. We would go back and say that there was a purpose that God had for us on earth that he gave to Adam right, and Eve. Mm-hmm. And what did he say? He said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Mm-hmm. So that is the t- that's the task. Right. And it's a little it's, more literal for some of us than others. Yeah. <laughs> and it well, it's just clear from that direction and how long this has been going on that the Lord did not plan for that task to be completed in one person's lifetime. Right. This was a big task. Yeah. And the 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 be fruitful and multiply, it, it was that is an order for culture, for social order. Mm-hmm. Build the build churches, build families, build governments, build schools, b- build like right. you're supposed to Create. multiply. You're Green. supposed to yes. If something plant dying. the crops, build the bridges, and yeah. make the music. And I mean all of that. Write you know, the books. Write the books, and I would say even make the computers because oh, yeah. every piece of technology. Find the alternative fuel source that ships the book from one place to another. Oh dang. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> Um, everything that your, you know, iPhone needs to function has been dug out of the earth. Like the Lord put it there thousands of years ago, all the materials needed to build computers, the Lord hid in the earth. I mean, just think about how butter came about. You know, it's so funny that you brought that up, but I have a thing that I want to talk about after butter. Oh, okay. So, um, how butter came about was this guy so they used to keep milk in these like leather pouches Mm -hmm. and so he had this milk and he was going to travel with it over the mountains and he like stuck his leather pouches like so that they were laying over i can't remember if it was like a donkey or a horse like over the back Mm -hmm. well so the donkey the horse you know is walking swaying swaying for and churning the milk churning the milk the guy (laughs) opens it up and what does he have he has butter i mean the lord he put that in the system. And then think about the first time <laughs> someone was like, put some butter in a hot pan and then cracked an egg in it and like with a little bit of salt. I mean, just what a wonderful <laughs> day that was. If I can ask to see like moments in history, right. it's going to be like the flood and the first egg. <laughs> the first egg eaten. <laughs> but all that to say, so that's that's why that passage is called the cultural mandate. Because it gives us, it tells us that our original purpose was to create right. culture, mm-hmm. the social order, the civilizations, and to make all that happen. And 
therefore, that means that what your vocation is, what your work is, is not some sort of like uh, backseat thing that exists only to make sure that you eat. Like it's something that you were called to do. And we should be creative in those things. Um, And I think a lot of Christians just don't have that view of their work as being this obedience to God's command to be fruitful, to multiply, to fill the earth, to subdue it. Mm -hmm. We have totally found that as just unimportant to what we're doing. And that's just depressing. Like (laughs) I would be so depressed if I felt like all the mundane parts of my life that, yeah, I have to do over and over. There's that vanity piece that Mm -hmm. we're talking about. Um, weren't actually building or working towards something. Now we know because of the fall, now there's pain. <laughs> right. Toiling. And toiling in all of that that work, right? So uh our our husbands, you know, they have this hard labor, they have this work, this the all of this being being brought by the sweat of their brow. Um and then of course us <laughs> bringing in, you know, the next generation and uh raising them is going to have that fallen Mm -hmm. difficult work but that didn't when the curse happened that didn't remove the necessity of the work right there would have been work with no sin it just wouldn't have been as toily yeah and I still like I think that's important too it's something that I try to tell my kids a lot where it's like work is not a result of the fall well and right yeah because it (laughs) When Adam, when God was like, this is your job, Adam wasn't like, all right, I'm just going to settle down under this shady tree <laughs> and just he had to work the garden. <laughs> he had to tend and yeah, work. And... He had, there were, there were animals like that. Yes. Do you guys know anyone that works harder than like a farmer? Like, please, <laughs> please. I don't. Yeah. Um. So, you know, I, I just think we think of human existence as this thing that if the fall hadn't happened would have just been this just be like kicked back. Yeah. Just laying in a hammock and eating grapes. Um, That's not true. Even though I'm sure that that would have been really, the hammock would have been perfect and the grapes would have been perfect. So sounds great, but we were called before the fall and still after the fall to expend our creative efforts for the glory of God and for the purpose of mm-hmm. culture and subduing yeah. the earth um, and for the benefit of others. And it wasn't like we were just going to live forever and then like, I don't know, dissipate into heaven. Right. Like that wasn't the idea. It was like. And all we were all going to just eat like the same like bland food. Right. And no one was going to be different. And Right. No we were called to work the earth in all of its diverse and weird things. I mean, how weird is butter? Like, that's just weird. Right. Can you imagine pouring milk into something and then like a couple hours later opening up your bag and it's like magic. It's a different substance, like all together. And it's delicious. And it's the best thing you've ever had. Right. You know, I just think, um, we, we have this and a lot of it has to do with, I think what we're learning from the book about evangelicalism this real split in we have this idea that like if you're a if you become a christian then you just your job is to have this intense passionate emotional relationship with the lord and to save other people's souls and it's really and like that is the thing that you do when you're not at work that's the thing you do when you're not doing all your other things like that passion that you have for the Lord doesn't necessarily translate into your work because we've totally split the two right. and said, this is what's happening to you personally, which has nothing to do with you publicly. And that's just not true. Like this is, that is not um, what the Lord says about what it should look like to be salt and light. Right. Um, that's how you lose your saltiness. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of Christians, a lot of churches, I should say probably, 
more accurately, they talk a lot about how to be justified, like how to Mm -hmm. be made right with God. And we should talk about that. Agreed. However, the church is for those who have been justified already. Yeah. So a lot less, unfortunately, seems to be said about sanctification, which is like, okay, what do you do now? Like, okay, I've been justified. What now? Yeah. What does that look like for me now? What does it look like for my job, my relationships and all those things? Um, And I just, I, I feel like a lot of people don't want to have that conversation because they fear offending the culture, offending other people, offending lukewarm Christians Mm -hmm. um, and just look where that's gotten us. Right. Yeah. And I think I do, I do think it's, I think we've lost our imagination a little bit. We are a group of people that is kind of like on the coattails of people that did a lot of really, really crazy things. I mean, even just <laughs> yeah. uh, like basically cave diving. <laughs> <laughs> seriously. <laughs> but I mean, like electricity and then I mean, really, even if you just think of like the digital age that we live in, how much has changed and how quickly and rapidly things change now. Like it's really like just a few things clicked in and it was like set us up. <laughs> for this big stretch and so i and then we we have so much there's so much like it's it has all become so we've learned so much that there's so much specialty mm. and i think to some extent we feel like if we don't have the time or the passion to dedicate mm. to this specialty um we may as well just not do it and if you missed your opportunity to cultivate that specialty, so like if you didn't, yeah. I, I'm not saying every, I'm not saying it's the same thought for everyone, but I'm sure there are some people that are like, well, you know, like I was, I was dumb and I didn't go to college. And so now like, now I don't have a career. So what am I supposed to do for God? Because like, how do I work to the glory of God? Because I just file paperwork in an office and that was never what I wanted to do. Um, and it's like it's uninspired it's very it is what happens when it's you self-pity right well and it's what happens when you give in to apathy yeah it's like i can't change any of this i can't do anything right. this my life is boring right um but i don't like i think it's interesting just the way that god made us and the way that we turned out, obviously, minus the fall, um, like, uh, I think it's pretty obvious that culture is from God and not meant to be boring. Oh, no. It's meant to be creative and different and experimental. And and I think that we have kind of lost some imagination. Oh, yeah. Or where we have imagination mm-hmm. we're like well but that doesn't involve me like preaching to anyone right so it can't be for god right well and i just think about how just think about like food and oh, yeah. how like it didn't have to be creative and fun and it didn't have to have all these flavors and it didn't mm-hmm. have to be so diverse but god built that into the system yeah. and then also just i think about how many how many great novels were first published when the author was 30s, 40s, mm-hmm. 50s? Like a lot of people think, oh, if, I, if you hadn't done anything in your 20s, that it's just too late for you. Right. And but that's like, a really you, silly idea. If you think that it's too late for you, then it might it be. Is. Yeah. Like you have to, in order to be writing for 10 years, you have to have been writing for 10 years you don't get to preemptively say well I haven't been writing for the past 10 years therefore (laughs) my time's up I already wasted everyone knows you can only write between 19 and 29 and if you haven't done that if you haven't discovered yourself then well too bad (laughs) I just think so it's it's important that you focus on growing and maturing so in the same way that like The first step in life is that you have to be born. Uh, When you're born again, that is the first step in your spiritual life. Mm -hmm. 
And then many steps have to happen afterwards to grow into maturity. And so my recommendation for somebody who's like, I don't know how to have a Christian worldview. My number one question would just be like, are you are you shaping your mind by Christian thought? Because, yeah, it's going to be really hard for you to have a Christian worldview if you're mostly shaping your mind by the same old things that you were shaping your mind by before. Yeah. So if you're not in the word, if you're not praying, these are the main mind shapers. Hearing the gospel preached every Sunday. These are your mind shapers. If you're not if you're not shaping your mind and forming your mind around those things. Yeah, I can understand why it's probably really hard for you to have a Christian worldview. Well, and especially if you've delayed that for a certain amount of time, you're delayed. Right. Like, and so then you, then there's an element of pride that kind of comes into yeah. it, which usually is where the apathy kicks in. Right. The self-pity. Right. It, which is like, well, I didn't, I failed to mature. I failed to do the things that would grow me. I guess I'll just and keep going. now I'm delayed. <laughs> and so now, like... I can feel bad for myself because I'm delayed. But that's that's what we're saying is like, okay, the best time would have been for you to start yesterday. The second best time is today. The best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. Yes. The second best time is today. Yes. (laughs) They say that for a reason and it's totally not wrong. Um, So, yeah, step number one is you need to be shaping your mind by these things. If you're not shaping your mind by them, you're not going to be able to shape a worldview by them. Like, that's just all there is to it. What you put your hands to is not going to be affected by a Christian worldview if your brain doesn't even have a handle on what Christianity is and what you're called to do as a Christian, how you're called to live. And these, here's the thing is a lot of people act like, oh, no one's told me. And it's like, it's in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that you just sit alone and read your Bible and your first read through, you're done. You should also be in a church. And if you're like, well, my church is weak or this or that, well, you do something. You do something about that. Whether that's you start being the hospitable one that helps create a sense of fellowship and helps create bonds. And maybe you're the one that needs to invite older believers into your life. Maybe you're the one that needs to take a step. Maybe you're in a church you should have left a long time ago. I don't know. I can't, I can't say that for you. Um, but there is, I know that there's spiritual maturity and growth available to every single believer because the Lord has promised it. Mm -hmm. And if you're obeying what he has said, it's not going to be a huge mystery to you. And yes, you should look like a Christian at work. You should look like a Christian at the pool. You should look like a Christian at home. You should look like a Christian at church. You should look like a Christian at the grocery store. And sometimes that means people are going to walk by you and have no idea. And sometimes people are going to walk by you and it's going to be very obvious. And I can't, you know what I mean? So yeah, um, if you're a Christian, that should absolutely affect how you vote. It should absolutely yeah. affect what entertainment you watch. And it's it's co- it's, compre- it's comprehensive. Mm-hmm. It should be in everything you do. And I think, uh, you know, I was mentioning a couple of weeks ago, a lot of people asked me, like, you know, what, what was the specific, like, apologetic training that your dad did for you? Right. Because they all just trust that he did that. And he did. Um, but it wasn't a book. It was just right. that wherever we went, my dad assumed we're going as Christians. Yeah. And what that meant was that if the uh, person at the cash register gave him back more money than he should have, my dad wouldn't just pocket it. Right. And that meant that our language was different. Mm -hmm. And it meant that we didn't go certain places. And it meant that we didn't see certain kinds of movies. And it meant that we we didn't do all kinds of things and we did do all kinds of Mm -hmm. things, but all of it was influenced by what we believe about God and ourselves. And it's really not as complicated as people can sometimes get tripped up and, and think that it is. Agreed. 
So. <laughs> yeah, there's really not much. Uh, there's not much more to say. I think uh, if I could say anything potentially controversial, it would just be that I think that the culture war is very important. Yeah. Uh, a lot of, I think, really antinomian Christians, if that's that's like a phrase I don't even want to use, but people that are really against the culture wars tend to be very mm-hmm. antinomian in their view of the gospel and how we should live. And man, if this whole like Dobbs decision and Roe versus Wade thing didn't convince you that the culture war is totally worth fighting, I just don't think you're paying attention. There's a lot of cultivating going on in our nation. Yeah. And it's not all godly. Yeah. Cultivation. Well, and here's the deal. <laughs> the people that hate God know that it's worth fighting. Right. And that's why they For own their the boring education culture. For their boring culture that is yes. degrading. Yes. That's why they own education. That's why they mm-hmm. own entertainment. Because they know if you believe something, it is worth telling people about. Yeah. And it is worth living out. Um, and I'm so tired of people saying, well, you can't make people live like Christians. It's like Actually, yes, I can. Actually, I will insist on truth as truth. Mm -hmm. I insist. I don't care at all if my next door neighbor thinks. If my next door neighbor's morality includes beating his wife, I'm going to insist that he lives like by by Christian principles, which says you may not beat your wife. Right. I don't care if he's a Christian or not. (laughs) And I don't think a lot of really kind of pious people have thought through what they're saying when they say foolish things like that. Yeah. Um, I don't care if you think babies should be murdered. Um, I am going to insist that you live by a Christian principle, which is that you shall not murder. Yeah. Um, if there's anything that I would say to describe my more recent sanctification is that we don't play along with alternate reality. We live in real reality. Um, I don't care. And you will be convinced very winsomely that real reality and alternate reality can coexist and that they are both real. (laughs) They're not. One of them is not. (laughs) It does not at all matter. You can't. There is not a coexist there is not a world where murder is wrong and a coexisting world where murder is wrong there is one world where murder is wrong there is one world it is god's world right. you can pretend for That's your right. whole life yeah you can you can pretend that the two things can coexist yeah they don't they can't and i mean really i think that's our strongest move as the church Yes. Moving forward, moving through the next five to 10 years is to just stop playing along. Mm -hmm. Some of it's pragmatism, some of it's cowardice. That's not the that's not the episode. No, (laughs) we could do them. Yeah, maybe we will. But it doesn't it doesn't matter. I think it's something that you hear people say a lot is. Well, you know, they're not Christian, so what do you expect? I expect them to live like God has commanded them to live. God expects this expectation is still that they that they live a certain way. That's why a sacrifice has to come in. Yeah, to allow that, for that. Like there's no one in hell because oh, yes, I'm going to punish you for your sins that I didn't expect you not to do. Wait, hold on. Right. Like every every single person is called to obey God like, and turn from sin. Right. And those that don't spend an eternity in hell and they're not going to be like, but God, I wasn't a Christian. So like, why are you holding me accountable for this? Like, and they won't be saying that either. No, they won't be saying that. And the <laughs> no. re- the fact that Christians say that right. in their defense is the silliest. It is so ridiculous and sad. And it, it does demonstrate somebody who has not, transformed their mind according to scripture agreed their mind has been largely shaped their thoughts have been shaped by an unbelieving pagan worldview they have not critically thought about what god has said what he has commanded or even just like 
how why what why does hell exist if people aren't if people don't have to live according to christian principles why would anybody be punished for not living according to christian principles right this is why we're supposed to go and baptize the nations uh and to teach them all that that he has commanded and then you have this opposing message come in and it's like you can't preach the gospel to all the nations because some of them are not believers yeah i don't care but who do you think came up with that (laughs) argument and who do you think it benefits right (laughs) like the best the best thing that could happen is for christians the best thing that could happen for the enemy is that christians are like oh let's not let's not teach them all that jesus has commanded (laughs) Like, wait, what? Right. We're playing we're playing we should, on your it would team. Be, it would be wrong for us yeah. to do that. <laughs> sad. And insensitive. It's so sad. Okay. Anyway. All right. Hopefully that's helped you guys think a little bit about Christian worldview. Um, why you should have one, what why you should care about the culture wars, because ultimately the culture war is not a lot of people think the quote unquote culture equ- is equal to just paganism. We're not trying to save paganism. We are trying to obey the command to be fruitful, to multiply, to fill the earth, to subdue it. And that means putting all kinds of beautiful things in it for the glory of God and for the benefit of others. That's what a culture worth creating and fighting and protecting is made up of. And that is what's worth doing. Agreed. All right. Well, you can leave us a voicemail at 470-465-0475. And we will see you all next week. Bye, guys. Life like this is what your life like. Try to live the life right. People really know you push your buttons like type right. This is like a movie, but it's really very lifelike. Every single night right. Every single fight right. I was looking at the grammar and I don't even like lights. I was screaming at my dad.